0: Thank you for joining us for the Covenant Gathering here on EuroFolkRadio.com. Our host is Pastor Visser from CovenantPeoplesMinistry.org. We hope that you are inspired to grow in faith and wisdom by studying the scriptures each week with us. It is written, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, and gather the children. So let us gather together for this Bible study hour with our host, Pastor Visser, on the Eurofolk Radio Network.
1: Good afternoon to my friends on the east coast of United States of America. It is now... 12 p.m. sharp, and the date is December 17th of 2016, and my, how this entire year has seemingly flown by in light of the election, the Olympics, and so many distractions that we have had. But nevertheless, I'd like to thank you for joining me for this broadcast of the Covenant Gathering. And today, we're going to be looking at great examples of faith directly from the Old and the New Testament. But before we actually get to that, let me give a few statistics. Again, it is 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That makes it 5 p.m. in London, England. And I'd like to thank my friends around the world who are joining me for this broadcast, available only on Eurofolkradio.com. Today marks a special date for me, in that this is the 12th broadcast going out through the Eurofolk Radio venue. And I'd like to, before we actually look at examples of faith, give a very brief overview of the 11 sermons I've done before this. I began October 1st, the first day of October, and I titled my sermon, Tabernacles 2016, And this particular sermon, I looked into the festival that is commanded by Yahweh God, unlike Christmas and Easter, and even attempted to prove that Yahweh God himself tabernacled with us in the form of Yahshua. The second show was done on October 8th, and it was titled, All the Trees. And this sermon looked specifically into Yahshua's parable of the budding fig tree. And that parable is important because it helps us to understand the time frame and be able to look forward to the apostasy right before the great and terrible day of the Lord. I followed that up on October 15th with Jacob Have I Loved, which is a very known proof, a very well-known proof text because it's found in the first three verses of Malachi chapter one, where we learn that Yahweh hates Esau but loves Jacob and his descendants forever. I finally did a sermon on Eurofolk Radio, October 22nd, looking into the reality of the devil, and we called that Satan the Enchanter. And from that I looked into the books of Ezekiel, and I looked into even many non-canonized books, and the Apocrypha and the Pseudepigrapha, into teaching on the reality of the devil. The final sermon for October was, Is Christ Racist? And my friends, this one was quite popular, naturally, because people around the world, especially within Judeo-Christianity, Zionist Christianity, we could say, would never even believe that Yeshua came for one specific group of people. So if you've not heard that sermon, Is Christ Racist? It's a look into Yahshua's teachings on segregation, and Separatism, and it was released the final, well, at least the final slot on EFR, October 29th. Now, last month, I began the month by looking at virginal disobedience, and this technically was a sermon that looked at every angle, at least that I knew of, when looking at the seduction of Eve. On the 12th, I did Prince of Politics, and that was a timely sermon. It was meant to actually be quite controversial. It was rather anti-Trump, according to certain people, but I maintain that Prince of Politics, as a sermon, was not anti-Trump at all. It was anti-man. We should have no king but Jesus. Now, we followed that up with modern Sadducees on November 19th. And this is looking into modern Sadducees within Christian identity, because we know that a Sadducee denies the reality of angels and denies the reality of Satan. And so, November twenty sixth, I did Bad Girls of the Bible, and that was a very fun broadcast to do. We looked at the examples of Eve, Rahab, Jezebel, and Delilah, and of course many feminists on YouTube, Daily Motion, and Vimeo got quite upset with that one. So needless to say, we followed that up this month, December 3rd, with bad guys of scripture to keep things nice and fair and equal. Looking at Cain, Balaam, Judas, and Simon Magius. And finally, last week, December 10th, we looked at Christian hate. And we prove that there are numerous things within the Bible that we are commanded to hate as the sons and daughters of Yahweh God, because we are told, they that are good, hate evil, or they that are righteous, hate the unrighteous. And so that brings me now to today, the 12th broadcast from EFR, and we're going to be taking a look today at great examples of faith, because no doubt each and every one of us are familiar with the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Because it is here in the 11th chapter of Hebrews to be found within the New Testament that we not only as Christians are given the definition of what faith is, but we have 11 specific examples of faith. And that's why we're going to spend some time looking at these examples to see what it is that they did that was so pleasing to Yahweh God and naturally At the end of it all, it comes back to faith. But the 11 examples that are provided in Hebrews chapter 11 are Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the Israelites, and finally Rahab, the harlot, who we looked at in my sermon, Bad Girls of the Bible. All of these men and women are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. One time, and there is a narrative given by the author of the epistle to the Hebrews. With the exception of Abraham. Abraham is actually mentioned twice in the quote-unquote faith hall of fame, as it appears within Hebrews chapter 11. One for being sent within the wilderness, and another for offering up Isaac on the altar of sacrifice. But in order to really truly understand this topic of faith, because faith is so very important. We need to define what faith is. Unfortunately, Hebrews chapter 11 has the biblical definition of faith in the very first verse where we learn. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That, if you will, is the biblical definition Of what faith is. And faith is so important to Yahweh God. We're going to prove that momentarily. That it basically trumps everything else including works, my friend, including works. And we need to understand that. Because Christian identity as a faith-based system is pronomian. We teach that the law is eternal as Yahweh God commanded it. And at the end of it all, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 teaches us that we are saved by grace through works. And that is the gift of God. So it is our faith that helps us to obtain grace in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. And it is here in Hebrews 11 verse 1 where the biblical definition of faith appears. And I'd like to actually break this down in the Greek so you understand this rather cryptic statement. Hebrews 11.1 Faith, in the Greek, as a word is from pistis, and it means only one thing, and that is faith. Therefore, in beginning our look at faith and biblical examples of faith, understand faith as a word, as it appears in the New Testament, is faith. Faith is faith, period. Faith is the substance. What is this word substance in the Greek? It's hupostadis. And hupostadis in Greek means the support, the foundation, and or the groundwork. So faith is the groundwork of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What's this word evidence mean in Greek? It's elochos. And it means straightforwardly proof. So Hebrews 11 verse 1 reads as such. Faith is the groundwork, the support and or the foundation of all those things that we hope for, and the proof of things not seen. Now, that's a very important definition, in my estimation, in defining what is faith, especially before we get to these biblical examples. Now, turn with me, but keep your finger in Hebrews 11. To Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8. We can read beginning in verse 24. For we are saved by hope. Stopping right there. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says we are saved by grace. But yet here in the book of Romans. Paul is saying we are saved by hope. Why? Verse 24 in its entirety. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? So that, my friend, ties right into the biblical definition of faith, and that is having what faith in things that are most oftentimes not seen by the world, but the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. So we are saved by hope, because Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says, "We are saved by grace through." faith and what is hope but another form of faith so that's one thing one supporting verse that actually backs up what we're looking at this afternoon in hebrews chapter 11 turn over as well to second corinthians and in second corinthians we read a statement by paul the apostle regarding faith in the 5th chapter where we learn In the 7th verse. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Do you understand that, my friend? We walk by faith. That's what separates us out from the rest of the unbelieving world. We have faith. And faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now, we have a power that the world does not. At least the unbelieving, pagan, and atheistic world. We have the ability to hope in things that are not necessarily seen by the entire world because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So to the unbeliever, to the man who says there is no God, to the fool in short, everything about his life is left open to chance, not faith. They literally believe that a tree just grows on its own accord and the miracle of childbirth and The stars and the sun and the moon, etc. It's all coincidence. It's all happenstance. But yet we have faith. We walk by faith and not by the things that we see. Because if we only followed that which we could see, well, we'd be deceived all the time. There are certain things that require a leap of faith on our part. And Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, and all the rest of the examples in Hebrews 11, did just that. They lived their faith. They did not walk by sight, but they walked by faith. One more thing to consider before we actually get to the meat of today's subject. I've given you a lot of Paul already, and we've only been broadcasting about 15 minutes. So turn over to 1 John. The first epistle of John, where we learn in the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. That is why I am bringing you this study this Saturday afternoon on the topic of faith and examples of faith. Because faith is the victory. It is our faith that provides the victory to overcome the world. Therefore, we need faith to overcome any obstacle any trial, or any temptation. And when we use faith and lean to faith more so than what we see or what man tells us, God will reward us amply. But again, I have said numerous times on this venue and my own pulpit that there are many things that Yahweh God commands us to do, to obey, without understanding because it requires faith. And then when we obey... Then, in retrospect, looking back, we're able to see everything clearly. But certain things that Yahweh God brings in our path, trials, tribulations, are designed to exercise faith. So faith will lead you to patience, etc. So now, turn back to Hebrews. And we're going to take a look at Hebrews. And we're going to skip ahead just a little bit to the 6th verse. For the final definition of faith that I'm going to give you today before we look at examples of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to Yahweh must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now do you understand why I told you we're not commanded to understand everything within the law. We're commanded to seek His face. And this is why Yahshua would say much later, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. Because seeking God requires what? Faith. Without faith, you will not seek God. And without faith, guess what? It's impossible to please Him. It's impossible to please Him. So, needless to say, James, the half-brother of Christ, says in his general epistle that faith without works is dead. And that is proven, not only in Romans 8.24, where we learned we are saved by hope, a polite way of saying faith, but also Ephesians 2.8, where we learn that we are saved by grace through our own faith. So now, without further ado, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 2, we've already defined what faith is. And one more time, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, what? By faith, the elders obtained a good report. Now we're getting into it. We're going to be looking at some patriarchs and some matriarchs from the Bible. And all of them were moved by faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. For by faith the elders obtained a good report. They are known as great examples of faith. Not great examples of works. But it was their faith that led them to do the things they did. For example, we've looked at Rahab in this venue in my sermon, Bad Girls of the Bible. And Rahab was led to what? To deny the spies, to hide them, and to protect the Israelite people. We've even looked at... Noah, we've looked at Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob, and we're gonna look at some of them again. Verse 3 in Hebrews 11. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. Now this world, this word worlds is actually pretty bad translation. It should be aeon or ages. But what Paul most likely through his scribe Luke, is saying here in Hebrews, is that it was faith that leads us to the understanding that this very age, this very world that we are in, the garden, if you will, proverbially was framed by the Word of God. God didn't need tangible materials. God spoke, said, let there be light and there was light. He said, let there be this or let there be that. And it came to be. That requires faith, my friend. And we live in an era today where it requires more faith than ever before. Because if you have the misfortune of sending your children to public school, chances are pretty good they're going to be taught evolution. They're not going to be taught creationism. Because creationism requires faith. And it requires just as much faith in the erroneous doctrines (laughs) or theories like evolution of man than it does to have faith in God. But there's one difference. If we have faith that leads us to seek Yahweh God, and Yahweh God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him through faith, is man... Man will never reward you for anything. In fact, what man will do is get you in a state of apostasy going further and further and on and on to Babylon through the lies that they perpetuate. It requires faith to understand that this very second earth age that we are in were framed by the word of God. God merely need did to say, do it, and it became. God spoke, and it was. That requires faith. So who is the first example in Hebrews 11? That answer is provided in verse 4, where we learn. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. That is the first example of biblical faith. Who? Abel. Where can we read about that? Well, I'm sure we've covered it here numerous times and many other pastors greater than I have actually looked at the etymology of these words. But in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, we learn, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto Yahweh. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And Yahweh had respect unto Abel, and to his offering. But unto Cain, and to his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So, if Abel is listed in Hebrews 11 as an example of faith, then we must deduct that it took great faith for what? Abel to bring his sacrifice. And Abel and Cain brought their sacrifice in the process of time. Meaning, on the same exact day. So what can we say regarding the sacrifice that Abel brought? Well, for one, Abel offered a sin offering, which means that he acknowledged his own sinfulness and his need of mercy. Two, Cain offered a minchka. That's it. Period. All he brought was the fruit of the ground. And he ignored his own sinfulness and personal need of God. The third fact is Abel was justified by faith in Christ's blood, which he acknowledged in type, in type. Remember, Yahweh told Cain that the blood of Abel was screaming to him from the what? The ground. Four, God testified to his righteousness by accepting a sacrifice, but he had no respect unto Cain's sacrifice. And finally, his faith and blood atonement He still preaches the need. That's the difference. Abel understood that a sacrifice required not only blood, but the fat thereof. That's the Mosaic law. But what did Cain bring? Just some fruit that he found rotting on the ground. And what we've learned thus far is that it was faith that led Abel to do that. Faith in God or faith in the fact that God's will and providence was greater than His. Cain recognized he was born within the flesh, or excuse me, Abel recognized that he was born within the flesh and therefore he brought a proper sacrifice and is forever listed here in the Faith Hall of Fame. Now on this topic of Abel, Abel is so important that he's not only listed here by Luke in Hebrews chapter 11, but we read in the gospel according to Luke chapter 11, but verse 51, where Yahshua tells the Jewish Pharisees, quote, From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, which perished between the altar and the temple, verily, I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation, or we could just say, of this race. What race? The serpentile race of Pharisees. They were responsible for the blood of of Abel because it was Cain who slew Abel. Now looking at the pedigree of the Pharisees, we don't have time today. But in short, why would the Pharisees be responsible for the blood of Abel if they were not the direct offspring of Cain? In short, they are. So who is the second example of faith to be found within the Bible? Or at least Hebrews 11. Enoch. Enoch. And Enoch is a great biblical character. He truly is. And the books of Enoch, there are many, there's several books, three books of Enoch, and I think two versions of Secrets of Enoch. I personally suggest that others read. And the reason for that is they'll be able to understand more because the prophecies that Enoch gives are for a latter era, and we're going to prove that. But first, let's establish Exactly who Enoch is. Now, we already know Enoch was the seventh descendant from Adam because he's mentioned within the New Testament. And the story of Enoch, because he was the seventh from Adam, is found within the fifth chapter of Genesis, where we learn, beginning in verse 21. Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God and was not, for what? God took him. Why did God take Enoch? He's mentioned right there in Genesis chapter 5. But yet a majority of mainstream Christendom avoid the books of Enoch like the plague. But if Enoch was so special to God that he was translated, that he never tasted of death, that he was taken to be given visions for a latter era, then my suggestion is maybe a deeper look at the teachings of Enoch is in order, don't you think? Let's look at the words of Jude right before the book of Revelation. Because Jude talks of, of Enoch, so does Peter, by extension. And frankly, Yahshua Messiah himself quotes Enoch several places, but in passing. Not verbatim, <laughs> but very similar to exactly what Enoch prophesied. So, turn over to Jude, the general epistle. And it's here where we're going to look about Enoch and what Jude has to say regarding Him being taken. Because after all, we just read in Genesis, right? Enoch was not because he was taken by Yahweh God, right? He was taken for a reason. Well, Jude verse 14 says, Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, Yahweh comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him, That, my friends, is a direct quote by the half-brother of Yahshua Jude, or Judas, some could say, from the book of Enoch. That is the second quote I have provided you. One from the old, one from the new. Proving the validity of the book of Enoch. And there's a reason the Jew wants to keep you from the book of Enoch. Because the book of Enoch deals with that. Jew just talked about the day of the Lord and said, Yahweh God will return with 10,000 of His saints. Right? With thousands and thousands of His saints. And the saints are they who what? Overcome the world. Because faith is the victory. Therefore, we read in the book of Enoch, book 1, chapter 1, right at the very beginning, but verse 9, where Enoch says, Behold, Yahweh will arrive with ten million of the holy ones in order to execute judgment upon all. He will destroy the wicked ones and censure all flesh on account of everything that they have done, that which the sinners and the wicked ones have committed against him. End quote. And that closes chapter one of Enoch, book one, chapter one. But what I just proved to you is that not only is Enoch a great example of faith, but he was taken by Yahweh God to give extensive prophecies. And he was taken because he had faith. Because he walked with God according to Genesis. And we learn in verse five of Hebrews 11, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Why? Well, Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it is impossible to please Yahweh God. So, Abel had faith. He had faith enough in the Mosaic Law or the Pentateuch to know that Yahweh God commands, what? A sin offering. Cain didn't have that faith. Abel did. And we covered that today in Genesis chapter 4. Enoch was an example of faith, and that's confirmed right here in Hebrews 11. By faith, he was translated. He never even tasted of death. And it was Joshua, much later, who would say, believe in me, and you'll never taste of death. Enoch was not because he walked with God as an example of faith. So much greater are we, my friend, so much greater that we can achieve so many things through faith. Remember, Yahshua taught a parable of the mustard seed where He says that if we had the faith the size of a mustard seed, we could say to this tree or we could say to this mountain, move, and it would move. So Christ taught that faith was important, but also straightforwardly says that man can never have the faith that is required. Why? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to Him must believe that He is. Now, why would you pray to a God that you don't believe is? And I ask that, not of CI, but to the new listeners who are joining, who may have the misfortune of going to a Judeo-Christian church, Because that's exactly what they espouse. They will tell you, well, you don't really know God. You can't know His thoughts. You definitely don't know His will, even though it's codified in the first five books of the Bible. And they teach a faithless doctrine. In fact, they teach mere profession. Whether you say the sinner's prayer or you say the Hail Mary angelic salutations, a majority of the world believes that if they come in and just profess that they believe... That somehow or another they're going to be saved. And what's interesting about this statement in light of faith and in light of works is uh, James actually teaches on this. I don't have this in my notes. But I'm going to turn over there very quickly. Because it actually explains how this works. How faith is. And how faith without works is, is truly dead. Yeah. Write him in the general epistle of James, chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, but it shall be given him. And let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let that man think that he will get nothing of Yahweh God. So you will get nothing of Yahweh God according to James here, if you are what? Wavering. So that is another thing that faith is. An unwavering belief in what? (laughs) Things hoped for or things not seen. As long as we're able to believe in this Word, for example, or these examples of faith like Abel, Enoch, and Noah, then we at least will know how we should behave, how we can overcome the world, right? Right? We're going to look at Noah. Noah was perfect in his generations, meaning he was the only one, him and his children, who had not intermixed with the fallen angels of Yahweh God, bringing abominable branches and trees into existence. Without that example, would we know what faith will do for us, that we can overcome that age or that world as Noah did? Of course not. And this is why we are commanded in the New Testament to not quench the spirit. We cannot allow men to come in and quench our spirit. This is also why we are commanded to be careful how we hear. Because if we listen to men and women who do not upbraid our faith, then we will walk around as faithless as the rest of the world. It took faith on the part of Abel. It took faith on the part of Enoch. And now, It will take faith on the part of Noah. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Heirs of the righteousness can only be obtained. Basically, an heir to the covenant. Through faith. What good is making a contract or a covenant between you and God or even you and man if you don't have faith within it? Belief within it. And faith is an extension of love. Let me interject that right now. Any of us who are married, who are trying to have a wholesome, religious, and moral relationship must have faith within one another. Because if we don't have faith, love, or trust with one another then what do we have? We have nothing. We have what the rest of the world has. Yahweh God is our Father. And He wants us to come to Him in faith. So, by faith, Noah was warned by Yahweh God of things not seen. Just like you and I, my friend, we have tomorrow's newspaper. We have in the form of Malachi, Joel, and many others like Nahum. An outline and a sketch of the day of the Lord and His return. We have the words of Yahshua in Matthew chapter 25 and numerous other places where He tells you, before His return it will be like the days of Sodom. Or it will be like the days of Noah. And so, Noah had faith to believe in God. So much that when the rest of the world would come in, they would mock him and say, Noah believes in Yahweh God, do not allow the enemy, to mock or shame you. Stand firm in that belief. I've proven this before. The 23rd Psalm. David says, The Lord is my shepherd. Meaning, David was proud to be a shepherd. He had faith, or a, a sheep. And he had faith within his shepherd. But the way of the enemy is to come in and say, You don't really believe that Yeshua walked on water, do you? You don't really believe because Christmas is not in the Bible. When nine times out of ten, it's their own erroneous garbage that they're interjecting in the hopes to quench your spirit. So turn to Genesis chapter 6. And we can begin reading in verse 13. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with this pact, with this pitch. And now, if you continue to read the narrative there on Noah in Genesis chapter 6, you will see that Noah obeyed Yahweh God. Why? Faith without works is dead. What good does it do for Noah to say, for example, I have faith in Yahweh God, he's going to send the deluge and the flood upon the world of the ungodly, but not obey? The devils believe and tremble. What does that avail them? So it does you no good to walk into Billy Graham or Joel Holstein or John Haggy's church and say, I believe in Yahshua when the devils, the angels, and Satan believe. Belief alone will not save you. Hope will save you because hope is faith and you're saved through grace, which is a gift of Yahweh God through faith. Without faith, there is no grace imparted. And without grace being the gift of Yahweh God, no flesh will be spared. So that's all it took. Yahweh God coming in Genesis 6, telling Noah, build an ark. Do as I say, and Noah did it. Are we able to do that? Because we're commanded so many things within the Bible that we as a nation are not doing. We can't have strange rulers over the children of Israel, but we just had eight years of a foreign entity. We can't have women ruling over the children of Israel, but yet a majority of our people just considered a demonic witch and a Jezebel-type spirit who would have ultimately ended up murdering the prophets like Jezebel of old. Now, Abraham is so great that he is listed two times. He is the only one in Hebrews chapter 11 who is listed two times as an example of faith for two specific acts. The first one appears right here in verse 8, where we learn. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should go after, received for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That is the first example for Abraham here in Hebrews 11 of faith. And what it required was much in the same exact manner as Noah. God appears to Noah and says, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I require of you. And Noah, having free will, like all of us, could have said no. But his faith led him to action. Now, here we're looking at who? (laughs) Abraham. And Abraham was being called to go out into a wilderness, away from his people. And he did it. For all intents and purposes, he could have said, no, I'd rather dwell right here, instead of subject myself to danger, wolves, robbers, bandits, etc. But what did he have? He had faith. Faith to know that Yahweh God knew what was better for Him than even He did. Therefore, this account appears in Genesis chapter 12. The very beginning of the chapter. In Genesis chapter 12, we learn, Yahweh said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shall be a blessing. Who? Abraham. This is the beginning of the Abrahamic covenant. And even less know about the Sarek covenant. But we're going to look at that next. The Abrahamic covenant was just that. This is the start. Through Abraham and his seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Through Abraham, his seed would be so numerous that you couldn't count them. They would be more numerous than the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. And that, my friend, was ultimately fulfilled through Isaac, his son, and his grandson, Jacob. Jacob also is listed here in Hebrews 11 as a great example of faith. But what would you do today if Yahweh God came to you Or, said within his word, Get ye out. Because he does. Yahweh says, If my people that are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. We're also commanded, Come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. So you're already commanded to come out and to dwell alone with Yahweh God. So what does that require? The same thing that was required of Abraham. Faith. So moving on. Who else can we look at? We just dealt with Abram. How about his wife, Sarai? Also known as Sarah. Well, verse 11 in Hebrews 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, what would you do if Yahweh God comes to you and says, Oh, you're 80 years old? You're going to have a child. (laughs) Well, what happened back then was no different than if it were to happen today. Yahweh God controls the womb of women. Yahweh God controls the souls because all souls are His. Sarah obeyed. She giggled. Indeed, nothing wrong with that per se. But the world would have had undoubt. Had Sarah doubted, as opposed to giggling, do you think the child of promise would have come? So Sarah did what? She obeyed her husband. And we can read about that in Genesis chapter 17. And notice, almost everything, and every man or woman that is listed here within Hebrews 11, is found in the groundwork. It's found within Genesis. There's really only a few variations. Moses and the Israelites are found within the book of Exodus and Rahab the harlot. The final example in Hebrews 11 is found in the book of Joshua, outside the Pentateuch. So that proves to you that Luke most likely scribed this at the bequest of Paul the Apostle. Because he was not only familiar with the Pentateuch, which we keep going back to, but also the rest of the historical books. But the story of how Sarah obeyed is found in Genesis chapter 17. And she obeyed just like Abraham did, right? At least in the first instance. The second would be when he offers Isaac, and he obeys then as well. But in Genesis chapter 17, we learn, beginning in verse 19, Yahweh said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. This is a whole nother covenant, my friend. And notice, without Sarah, there'd be no Isaac. And without Isaac, there'd be no Jacob and Esau. And without Jacob, there'd be no children of the promise. So if we have faith, we need to be like some of these examples. This is a prophecy that is straightforward given to Abraham regarding Sarah. And what does he say? Well, he's going to have a child. Sarah had to have faith within that. My point in all of this is oftentimes we as a couple or even our women will go to a doctor and they want to conceive. And nine times out of ten they can't conceive because they've abused their body in the past with birth control and many other things that we'll not mention now. But they spend all their money... On a doctor, hoping that a doctor can open their womb when Yahweh God controls the souls of man. Sarah is listed as an example of faith because she understood. I better go to Yahweh first before a doctor. Can we have that type of faith? Because a majority of our women don't. The Bible says in the end times, many of our people will lose natural affection. Hell, that's the entire first chapter of Romans. And is there any greater a loss of natural affection than the maternal instinct? But yet a majority of our women will send their children to public school where they're brainwashed, indoctrinated, and told everyone is equal when guess what? The word of God doesn't say that. Christ said he came for one race of people. And every one of these examples, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, to the end, being Rahab, were all Israelites. Isn't it interesting that not one child of Ishmael, not one child of the Amorites or the Ammonites or the Moabites are listed. Every one of them are Israelites. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. What can we learn from that? Well, only Israelites can truly have faith. They're the only ones that overcome the world, all Israel's faith. Not the entire world. So Israelites are the children of hope. And the children of faith. So, Abraham married to Sarah. Sarah begot who? Isaac. Therefore, Isaac is the next example of great faith listed here in Hebrews 11. Where we learn. Beginning in verse 11. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered. Of a child when she was past age. Because she indulged him faithful who had promised. Now I'm going to interject right here. Faithful and just are two names of Yahweh God. In short, we could say Yahshua is the most faithful. He is faithful. He is true. That is why we are required to have faith. Because that is how we mirror Yahshua. Who came within the flesh and obeyed His Father's commandments to the T, even unto the death, even unto the crucifixion, even when, He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Hebrews 11, verse 12. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in the multitude, and the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises of who? Yahshua. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Do you see the difference between Cain and Abel? Abel realized he was what? Stranger, a pilgrim upon the earth. That he was the child of Yahweh God that needed redemption and forgiveness of sins. Now the Bible doesn't outline what sins they are. But he did bring a sin atonement, and it was counted to him as righteousness so much that Christ would say, the Jew is responsible for all of the blood. From Abel to Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's father. And so, continuing on, verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly... If they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, Yahweh is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Now, of course, you know this because it's found within the book of Revelation. It's the New Jerusalem. It's basically what we're battling for. And it's mentioned in Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. Verse 2, where we learn, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Husband, meaning we are the bride. Yeshua is the bridegroom. And remember, he taught a parable about ten virgins. He taught a parable about the marriage feast. And all of those were examples of what faith? The foolish virgins didn't have faith enough to have oil. Those that were invited to the parable of the wedding feast didn't have faith enough to go. So Yahweh God has to go out in the street and compel strangers to come in. But that's a study for another day. Continuing on here. By faith, Abraham, second time, verse 17. When he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now do you understand why he was asked to do that? If you were to ask a Judeo-Christian pastor, why did Abraham offer up Isaac? Because after all, had he succeeded in that, he would have wiped out the Israelite race. Right here, you're given the key. He offered up his only begotten son. That is something that he who is faithful and true, Yahweh God, did for us. Are we able to have that type of faith in a Redeemer? And a God who has faith within us. And notice also that right here in verse 16, we learn that there's a better country. That's why Sarah and Abraham went out. They realized there was a better way than what the world was offering. So did Noah. So did Enoch. But we learn in verse 16 that God is not ashamed to be called their God. then, in the New Jerusalem, because that is a time of great faith, that is a time where we are with our Heavenly Father for all eternity... And it also means He's ashamed of us now. He's ashamed of us now because we do not have the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. And if we had the faith that size, we could move mountains, my friend. The enemy wouldn't be on TV non-stop mocking Jesus Christ, mocking His faithful servants, and speaking out against those that dare have faith within this Word as it's transcribed. Faith overcomes the world. What's the rest of the people going to do who have no faith? And naturally, the atheist comes in and says, well, I don't believe in anything. Believing only in himself. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) quite ironic because they who say they're not in bondage to any man just like the Jews did in John chapter 8 are the biggest slaves of all. But they desire a better country. And I know, brothers and sisters, that you also desire a better country, whether you're in Germany or Austria, Australia, but here in America, I know I desire an, a better country. And the only way we will have a better country for our old men and our sons and daughters and our grandchildren is to turn to Yahweh God with all our heart, mind, and soul which requires what? Faith. And if we have that faith, we can overcome the world because truly, a new country would be great, especially under Yahweh's law. But everything down here under Trump or Hillary is going to be opposite of what God commands. Opposite of what God commands. Are you going to be able to have that faith in light of the next four to eight years? Of what's going to be coming down the pike. And I assure you it's going to be pro-transgenderism. Pro-Israel. And pro-Judaism. On every level. Are you going to be able to withstand in this evil day. That we find ourselves in now. The only way you could do that. Is with faith. What is faith? Well we covered it today. We defined it today. Faith is the substance. The support. The foundation. The groundwork. Of everything you hope for. You want out of jail? You want to overcome your court case? You want a bigger house? You want to raise at work? You want to die and see the kingdom? Then all of those things require faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's common sense, is it not? But what Judeo-Christian espouses is faithlessness. They tell you the Bible doesn't mean what it means. They tell you the Jews are God's chosen when it's not written anywhere within the canon. And at the end of it all, our children aren't fooled. You walk into a Judeo-Christian church and they're espousing that nonsense, you're going to walk right out the side door and say, well, God must not be real. Right? Well, that's exactly what Billy Graham, Joel Osteen, and the false prophets that are too numerous to mention, Do. And if you don't believe me, that's right in Second Peter. And I'm actually going to conclude on that because I'm running out of time. But Second Peter straightforwardly explains that of exactly why the false prophet exists. Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with fiend words make merchandise of you. And then he goes into all these examples. For God spared not the angels that sinned and spared not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, and goes through the long list here. But here is your key. There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily bring in damnable heresies. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. When Christ came and spoke the truth, they spoke evil of Him and crucified Him and strung Him up on a cross. And when preachers on Eurofolk Radio come and espouse the truth, things that are validified with quotes and backed up, what do they do? They call evil good and good evil, my friend. And it requires faith to overcome this world. Unfortunately, we were only able to get through about half of the examples. So in two weeks, I will bring the second Example of faith to you here on Eurofolk Radio. And the reason for that is because one week from today is Christmas Eve. And we're going to be looking at the Gnostic books like the Protoevangelion and the Gospel of the Birth of Mary into the Nativity story. And I'm going to tell the Nativity story from an angle that you've probably not heard before within C.I. And then the week after that is the final day of this year, my friend, meaning two weeks from today is the end of 2016. And so, on December 31st, please join me again and we will look at the examples of Jacob, Joseph, Isaac, Moses, the Israelites, and Rahab in this two-part study and look into great biblical examples of faith. Once again, I would like to thank Paul English and the Eurofolk Radio crew. I'd also like to thank my dear, close friends, Baron, Troy, Nancy, James, Steve, Julie, Eric, Sabina, and so many others. Your support and your words and emails of encouragement make all the difference in the world. So join me again seven days from today, next Saturday, 12 noon, 5 p.m. in London, England. For an all-new look at the nativity story from a direction you've not seen before. And a week after that, on December 31st, New Year's Eve, for the conclusion of examples of faith from the Bible. Dear Kinsfolk, I cannot thank you enough for everyone who listens, everyone who thumbs up these videos on YouTube, and everyone who supports venues such as Eurofolk Radio, and so many others that are out there on the internet. Without them, we simply would have no soapbox. And so, dear friends, until next time, this is Pastor Visser reminding you to war for Christ and to have an ever-increasing faith in Yahweh God because it is our faith that is the victory and overcomes the world. War for Christ, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this Bible study lesson with Pastor Visser of the Covenant People's Ministry. These teachings are recorded for you live by the Eurofolk Radio Broadcasting Network and can also be found in the archives of our church's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org. If you have any questions or comments regarding these messages, please write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256 Brooks, Georgia. 30205 USA. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Covenant Gathering. May God bless you and keep you and be with you always.